Hey, coming up on the show today, Christmas shopping is well on the way. And it takes a lot of discipline to keep your budget in order, doesn't it? And that's before the children, the grandkids, and your spouse get involved with your wallet. Christmas, money, and relationships. Right after the news on The Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. After meeting with U.N. Ambassador Susan Rice, top Republican lawmakers are now more concerned than ever about the role she played in the response to the attack on the U.S. Embassy in Benghazi, Libya. Rice is considered by many to be the frontrunner to replace Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State, but due to her handling of the Libya attack, Republicans have vowed to block her. In a meeting behind closed doors today to explain her response, Rice said she was wrong to say the attack was the result of a spontaneous protest, which further concerns lawmakers because her remarks came five days after the fact and with the Council of Intelligence officials. Congressional leaders on Capitol Hill were able to move a little closer to a deal to avoid the fiscal cliff today, but there is still a lot to sort out. President Barack Obama is meeting with business leaders today and tomorrow to help move his agenda forward. Republican leaders are still set on avoiding raising tax rates, but many lawmakers are now disavowing no new tax pledges, which puts increased revenue on the negotiating table. Democrats in the Senate have unveiled a plan that would avoid the fiscal cliff, but it includes raising tax rates on the wealthy, which House Republicans are still firmly against. The ACLU is suing for U.S. servicewomen to be allowed to take up active ground combat roles on the grounds of changing nature of combat and fairness for career soldiers. The case was filed in federal court in North Carolina and surrounds four women who want to be allowed to serve in the same capacity as men. In a legal complaint filed with the court, the civil rights group claims that the policy to bar certain people from specific military roles based on gender is unconstitutional. In a move that will likely spark some controversy, the American Academy of Pediatricians has now announced they recommend that emergency contraception should be readily available to all teenagers just in case they need it. According to the Academy, teens are far more likely to use contraception if it is easily accessible. Teen pregnancy in the U.S. has been declining, but rates are still much higher than in other developed countries. Current laws allow females 17 and older and males 18 and older access to emergency contraception without a prescription. You are listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend. Along here with my gang of almost functionals, uh, we're still looking for a name for them, and we are bringing you some (laughs) tools, some ideas, just gifts from BYU Broadcasting here. And uh, what we try to do on the show is teach you skills, tools, ideas to make your life a little bit easier. Today, we've got a, a doozy for you. You ready for this one? Today, we're talking about money. How to make your money last during this crazy Christmas season and how to make it last without destroying your relationships. It's easy to save money if, I don't know, you're alone living in a cave. But if you have children that want gifts and parents that want to travel and, you know, parole officers that have minimum payments that need to be made to the state so you don't lose your 
freedom, then uh, you, my friends, need to listen to our show today because we are going to be bringing on an expert who can help us with uh, budgeting and relationship issues. We're also going to be, of course, talking to my uh, groupies. What are we calling you guys yet? Have we figured it out? We need a name. We're employees, my so that, I don't think that makes us groupies. <laughs> no, groupies doesn't work. But uh, my ensemble. Hmm. Your crew, your homies. You'd think, with, you'd think with five producers, we could probably come up with a name. <laughs> we can be your entourage. Ooh. Uh, I just got really quiet. It did. <laughs> I don't know if I like that one. All right. There's a movie. There's a show uh, on HBO called Entourage. Oh, yeah. How about a posse? My posse makes me sound really cool. Like I'm the Lone Ranger and you're my posse and we're out after some evil villains. It could be like your flock. Or something. My gaggle. <laughs> My gaggle. <laughs> did you know? Did you know that a group of owls is called a parliament? No. Really? Did you know that? I didn't know it that. Could be a parliament. And a group of crows <laughs> a... is a murder of crows. I know. We could really? Be, Are we murderous we producers? Murder. Let's not have murder. That I don't know. It just seems the negative. challenge and and to you know give here's us ex- a little uh, here's the executive producer talking. We're about. paid to produce a radio show, right? And we went to a lot of trouble with this rundown here, and we're not following it, man. Oh, what we could do is let's just call you employees. <laughs> that works. I'm here today with my employees, my fellow employees, trying to produce a high-end radio show. Employees is such a good term, so underrated. And it, the mental associations with things like paychecks and all uh, Yeah, uh, harassment suits. Well, sometimes, but. Uh, um, what do they call them? Uh, strikes. Human resource, uh, human resource issues, violations. layoffs, pink slips. But paychecks. See, I think there's a lot of people out there in listener land that don't want to hear about employees. They want you to be my posse. We'll go with posse today. And more importantly, they want to hear about Christmas and finances, which is on the rundown. That's the, no, that's <laughs> Rob's second attempt to try to get me back on. <laughs> uh, it's not going to happen. Um, so anybody have some news? I news-age. have news. What's, oh, I, no. Are you engaged? News. No, come oh. on! It's like the third time you've asked that. When well, I know, but if you say you have news, that's where I'm going. No, this is this is cool. I actually what thought of it? you, Matt, when Did I you? when I read this. Is it about? I thought you might have this disease. Oh. It would explain a lot. It's a disease. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Let's hear about it. Um, have you heard of the movie, uh, like the Curious Case of Benjamin Buttons? Yes, Brad Pitt? I have. Uh huh. Where he ages, never dies. No, he like ages back. Like he starts off as an. I haven't seen it, but I think he like starts off as an adult and like slowly becomes more like a kid. Mentally, he starts off as an old man. Then I, I don't know. I think that's so. a horrifying moment. I have seen the movie. Yes, but he's young but old. Yeah, something like that, and then vice versa. But anyway, there's these two brothers in the UK, Matthew and Michael Clark, who um, grew up were adults, and they had jobs. They had one of them. They had families. One had a kid. And then all of a sudden, they, like, stopped returning their parents' texts and phone calls, and they just kind of started falling in there, aging backwards now. Oh, so now, wow. like, back in April, they had the mental age of a 10-year-old, and now they're even younger, more like a toddler. Oh, and so now they're... Um, that would be horrible. Yeah, especially because now they, they their parents, like, moved in with them, and their mom says it's... It's like raising toddlers because they act like toddlers, yeah. but they're in these adult bodies. And so it can, like, when they throw tantrums and stuff, it can get kind of crazy. Yeah, what do you do? Yeah, and now, and now they're, like, um, not only their mental capacities deteriorating, but their physical health's deteriorating. So now they're, like, 
like they were trying to eat, she said that they don't like they try and use a fork and like the food will always fall off. They have a hard time using forks now. And oh my heavens, yeah, it's crazy. Can you so if you're out there in listener land, wow, are you grateful that's not you? I mean, what a hard disease. I guess yeah. It is. And there's, I think they said something like only 40 people have it or something like that. So it's very rare. But it did make a great movie. Oh, I haven't seen the movie. It's a great movie. That's you'll good. laugh, you'll cry. It's better than cats. <laughs> It's really good. I think a lot of things it's, that are was kind than of cats. a downer one, though. But I, it's good to know. So if you're out there and you're dealing with humans that seem to be regressing, hey, maybe they're one of the forty. Uh, what else we got, kids? Anybody else got some newsage? Um, apparently, there is life hmm? in this underground salt water lake in Antarctica. Ooh! It's like under a huge layer, thick sheet of ice. And it's been that way for several thousand years. See, that means up on some planet in frozen Sodiumville, (laughs) there could be be life. life. (laughs) Yeah. And so because they're just kind of like it's isolated. Like how could it get like the light, the oxygen, nutrients? And they think that it's the reason how this – like it's just, you know, bacteria cultures. Mm -hmm. Like how they're surviving is through elemental hydrogen and methane that's produced Hmm. by just reactions with the brine. But it's just crazy because it's like just all the way down below you. Yeah. You wouldn't think that anything could survive down there. Yeah, but it does. Yep. Well, you know what? If you've had a teenager and you've ever looked way down under their bed, you'll know that <laughs> anything can survive anywhere. Are you with me? As I look at three guys that look like teens. Four guys. Well, it depends if it's the football season because the socks get wet. They have some yeah. soil oh, on them. They mm. get put in a nice warm mm. You know, place. We just call it a gym bag. uh, Yeah, or gym bag. Just put it in a gym bag, seal it up, let it ferment. The towel in there from the swimming Mm, pool. A little moisture there. Mm hmm. Yep. It's called teen musk right there. Yuck. Yuck. (laughs) Life can grow anywhere, even in places you don't expect it or want it to. Such as. Yes. What is your biggest fear? Or or, let me rephrase that. What is your level of fear you have of life germinating from technology kind of a uh, real I, life terminator situation seven. I'm a, that's a seven fear seven out of 100 or seven out of 10 seven out of 12 so i like seven out yeah, of 12 kind of so kind of almost 50 scales but not quite i yeah not much i don't i'm not afraid of that yet. i've got other things to worry about how large of an international priority do you think it should be one out of two <laughs> really sitting on the fence with those answers. Well, I, I don't, you know what? We got people to feed. We got people to feed. It is finally, despite other greater global concerns, it's finally getting on the radar at Cambridge. Really? And Cambridge is pleased to have a, I got, I got to read this title verbatim yeah. Center for the Study of Existential Risk. Wow. Bringing together some of the brightest minds in computers and philosophy to figure out. What is the likelihood that machines could kind of get away from us and develop their own personalities and existence and create a world? Not that the machines are villains, but a world, they say, where the machines don't necessarily want to hurt us. We're just not a priority for them. Okay. I think, honestly, you know where that would have helped? Black Friday. You just send your machine out. True. Just go send isn't your machine that called out with on, the list. Isn't that called online shopping? Cyber, that, no, Cyber that Monday? Would be Cyber Monday. Yeah. Which was different than Black Friday because Cyber Monday probably didn't have a lot of fisticuffs and a lot of takedowns. Very few bloody noses on Cyber Monday. 
But uh, a lot of stolen identity. And? On Tuesday. Yeah. Are you quoting Conan O'Brien? Yes, I am. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. O'Brien. Thank you who, for a uh, good said joke. That, uh, yeah, because if, if you count it in order, you have what? Uh, Black Friday. Yes. Small Business Saturday. Mm-hmm. Which was just passed over. Yeah, and then I guess you take Sunday off. Day of rest. Day of rest. Monday, Cyber Monday. Uh-huh. Tuesday, Stolen Identity Tuesday. Yeah. Thursday, file bankruptcy. What about Wednesday? Wednesday, we just, that's where we would just hid away. We had nothing going on except a few court hearings. Uh, I've always wondered if you hire a bankruptcy lawyer, can you roll his attorney's fees into your bankruptcy? No, they're, they're not dumb. They're not dumb. They'll actually get the money first. Yeah. But if I pay for it on a credit card. They'll take their money. And then, then I go bankrupt on the credit card. But you'll owe the bank, not them. Ah. They'll have their money. So then at that point, once they have their money, then they'll help me. Oh, they'll help you out mess over the bank anytime you need. Wow, isn't America great? It's so great. <laughs> it is so great. See, and why would anyone want to go to another country? Anybody else got news? BT. So Matt, here. The world has changed. Did you know that? I've, I read the news. No, mm-hmm. you didn't. Um, that's, no, you did. You I did. I actually did. That's all I um, so have you heard of Google's fiber wire thing that they're doing in Kansas City? No. Have you heard the news? Okay. No. It was a few months ago. They they put in essentially awesome internet on par with, you know, the rest of the cool countries in the world. Um, <laughs> not American. Is not American. We were, we're still on par with Romania, you know, the country that kicked out communism in oh, like 95. Yeah. But you got to respect them. <laughs> How to be an American. Mm-hmm. But... Um, in Kansas City, they, they rolled out this Google Fiber stuff, and it's giving them uh, one gigabit per second internet. That's about 100 times what we're getting, Oh, what most wow. people are getting in the States. Pretty awesome. We'd actually get a lot done. Or we'd be able to get absolutely nothing done because I, you know, in between things are buffering, things yeah. are loading. That's when I go do stuff, like, you know, I use the bathroom. bathroom. Yeah, eat. yeah. yeah. That, That's it's weird that we're on the same. You're being a bit too generous saying it's 100 times because I think at my house... I think that's more about uh, 500 times when I'm getting it. <laughs> wow. You can oh, get a lot done. <laughs> wow. I, th- I so, think you're overestimated there. So here's the thing. That's cool. That's awesome. Thanks, Google. Um, it's actually making uh, the Time Warner cable uh, internet guys. They're kind of they freaking mad? out. They're mad. Well, of course. Give uh, some service. Right? They're, they're actually it's so much so that they're sending people to uh, their customers' houses doing little house calls saying, hey, uh, is your is your internet, you know, <laughs> is it working the way it's supposed to? Are they really? Yeah, because for 70 bucks a month, which is pretty much what most people are paying for cable internet, um, they're getting 100 times. That, you know what? Okay, that's interesting. Because that, now once the service is so high that we're draining all of the content, people are going to start getting mad. Right. That's when it's. Well, I think that the house call thing's actually going to backfire on them. Though I swear, I saw a public service announcement a year ago or something that says the cable company will never approach you. Don't ever fall for somebody in uniform claiming that they are, you know, an, an yeah. unannounced call because it's probably some kind of a scam. You think back to uh, the old uh, Disney movie One Hundred and One Dalmatians. Oh. How did they try to break in to scope out the place? Cable guy. Oh, we're from the what gas company. Gas electric, company. Electric, 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 you know. See, now it's going to be See, the... See, you think, oh, it's cable guy. No, this So I guess the point is, if you have Dalmatians, don't answer the door. <laughs> if, if somebody calls about your internet service. Unless you're in Kansas City and it's somebody from the cable company 
Yeah. In which case, we might have just verified that that might be legit. See, you know what? A lot of people would think what we're giving them is useless information. However, when you see how we just tied that one up, we have just saved, I don't know, uh, a murder of Dalmatians, <laughs> which is like a bunch of crows. <laughs> In That's Dalmatian. a stretch. Yeah. That's a stretch. I'm sure it would be called like a herd. Okay, a I pack. got one. There we go, <laughs> pack of dogs. I, I got one. Um, this is really big news. And so if any of you any of you out there, Two and a Half Men stars, anybody like that? I mean, do you like that show, Two and a Half Men? I was wondering because I, I, I picked that up off the printer. It's huge. I, I heard of the show a year ago, but it sounds like the show's This been is where on Charlie for... Sheen appeared. Remember How that was the show. How long has that show been running? Fifteen years. No, um, ten years. Well, still, no, I'd never heard nine of it nine years a year long. Ago, so that running. shows how out of touch I am. Well, yeah, but you are just a little bit. But it's not in a bad way. It's just you know, it's kind of a it's a, it's on the edge show. But a lot of people love it. It's a CBS comedy. Charlie Sheen has now been replaced by Ash, Ashton Kutcher. But apparently Angus T. Jones is the young boy that's on that show. And in an interview recently, he called the show filth and suggested nobody watch it. You should turn it off and shouldn't be watching it. Mm-hmm. Little does he know that he's just going to lose a job. But uh, Jones sat down. By the way, he's been on the show. He's 19 now. He's been on since he was 10. And Jones sat down for an interview with a religious website, The Forerunner Chronicles, to talk about the evolution of his faith and religious beliefs. I guess he's become more religious. And during the interview, Jones begins to discuss his character, Jake, on the popular show and calls the popular sitcom filth. Filth! And uh, he just literally just says, no, you shouldn't watch it. If you're watching it, you need to turn it off. And then he, this is, was his disclaimer at the end. He's become bitter about TV. He says, people say it's just entertainment. Do some research on the effects of television in your brain, and I promise you, you'll have a decision to make when it comes to television, especially with what you watch. If I am doing any harm, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be contributing to the enemy's plan. The wow. enemy, I think, being NBC. I guess nothing erodes <laughs> the glitz and glamour of Hollywood than visiting, living in, or working in Hollywood. I think yeah. that's the childhood star. Oh. That's what's ha- Okay, there's a curse on child stars, right? Yeah. Well, poor guy. I mean. But, you know, he's found religion and now he's, you know, kind of has a whole different view of this. You do wonder, though, when your childhood involves seeing the backside of the set. Yeah. The side the cameras don't point at and you get to see Bubba the key grip and Larry the shop steward or I don't know what all the terms are. But the people who are behind the scenes who live the glamorous life of driving their beat up Toyota pickup from the Inland Empire every day to work some job because they wanted just a small slice of Hollywood. Hollywood. And then you see all these people go, you know, I don't know. This Plus he sees what goes out too. So he knows what, you know, it's in his new eyes, his new view, he's probably thinking it is filth. We're just talking about all this stuff that's not adding value to the community. Mm. I wish we had the guts to do that and talk about the behind the scenes of our show. But we have no behind the scenes. No. That's what's great. We, we just went, sit around and watch Gangnam Style. And we all wonder when, when Skyboy is going to show up. Well, and, and one of these days I would offer for a listener to turn the camera around and show the other side. Yeah. But I haven't found the camera yet. We've been hiding them. We didn't want you to break them. But um, Sky's got one on him at all times, so he doesn't take the keyboard there. Or the uh, – what do they call that thing in the Jew with all the buttons? The board. The board. The board. 
Well, anyway, uh, you know, just some news. So apparently we're not supposed to watch Two and a Half Men if you're out there. Now, uh, here's the uh, wrap-up, and we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and when we come back, we're going to talk a, a lot about money and the holidays. We're going to be bringing on an expert, Diane Tegarden, I believe her name is, and we'll get that right, um, who has written quite a few things about budgeting on a dime, 10 steps to financial independence, and other wonderful ideas and tools. We're going to pick her brain and figure out how do we save our family, save some money, and not destroy the holidays. We're going to take a break. We'll be back on The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Oxygen. It's not just for breathing anymore. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Evil twins are a staple of soap operas, but it turns out the oxygen you breathe has an evil twin that's actually pretty awesome. The kind of oxygen you breathe is made of two atoms, and we call it O2. But at the edge of our atmosphere, O2 can be ripped apart by solar radiation, forming a nasty, corrosive version of oxygen that likes to eat spacecraft. That's where NASA came in. While studying how to protect against monatomic oxygen, they found an honest job for the evil twin. It turns out these lonely, very reactive atoms are great for cleaning smoke damage off of old oil paintings without disturbing the paint surface underneath. They can also burn off layers of ink, one layer at a time, to let investigators detect forged documents. And it's found a job in the operating room as well, where an atomic oxygen gun is used to clean off replacement hip joint implants, so no bacteria linger to cause inflammation after surgery. It's like an atomic antiseptic, destroying organic material and leaving the implant untouched. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. The Kennedy Center's Global Awareness Lecture invites international diplomats, scholars, and talented individuals to speak on issues affecting the global community. Increase your global awareness, enjoy the insights of extraordinary speakers, and keep up with the world around you by tuning into Notes from the Kennedy Center. Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Now, on the show today, we decided to take on the issue of finances and relationships. And, uh, you know, for some crazy reason at this time of year, times get tough, yet we still have all of these obligations to meet. And we're going to be bringing on Diane Teagarden, an expert uh, in this. That can, we can, We're going to just figure out how to handle our finances better. Before we do that, you know, part of the fi- family financial plan is making sure that our kids get what they need, not the least of which is an education. Unfortunately, that part seems to be getting more and more expensive. Most parents want to make sure that their children have a good higher education. But colleges can be pretty expensive these days. So who pays for it? In my case, I have to pay for everything myself. But what about other people? Who pays for your college? 
I paid for my tuition. My mom and my dad are paying for my tuition. I do. I do for the most part. I do. Interesting. So the majority of people pay for their own college. My next question was, was it ever discussed in high school who would pay for it? It was kind of always known. It was talked about. Um, my dad, there's six of us in the family, and he said, once you're out of the house, you're on your own. My parents just told us that they would help out the first semester, and then after that, that I had to pay for it. They let us know right when we were about to go to college that uh, they would pay for eight semesters. And that's it. Yeah, it was discussed during high school, like my junior and senior year. Yeah, it was discussed with my parents. Were, nope. My dad said that he assumed things are okay unless I ask for help, and if I do ask, he'd be willing to give it. Okay, so it sounds like most people talked to their parents about it to kind of negotiate what was going to go on. But part of that negotiation is what do they pay for? Is it tuition? Is it room and board? Everything? Half? None? They paid for room and board, and then I paid for all of my tuition. They help, they're, in, they're helping out with... Uh, with tuition and living, so. And then my parents will make up the difference. One of the dangers of having somebody else provide for you would be that you kind of take it for granted. So, would it affect your attitude, whether your parents paid for it or not? Um, I think when I was paying for it, um, I took it a little bit more seriously because it was my money. I know when my parents were helping me out, I didn't take it so seriously. I have a little bit more vested interest in in it because I'm paying for it. I like that they give a deadline, so I'm not like a Van Wilder at school for eight years. I appreciate it a little bit more because I realize that it's important enough for them to want to help me with. It would make me just make sure I live a little bit more frugal, like more thinking, more being more frugal. Parents are one source of money, but another source of money would be scholarships. So how many of these people had scholarships that helped them out? Um, I did get a scholarship my first semester, but it was not as it wasn't enough to cover all the tuition. I have zero scholarships. I am currently on scholarships, so okay. I have got tuition and everything covered. Last year, I had a half tuition scholarship in the Chinese flagship program. So with all the people that I talked to, it seems like they all paid for college on their own with very little help from their parents, but they're grateful for that because that helps them motivate themselves and really appreciate the hard work that they put into school so that they can get even more out of it. Well done, Ty Boy. Also, a.k.a. Ty Bo, <laughs> a.k.a. our intern, Gus, Ben, Ted, Dave. Ted, Skippy, and Jasper. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, Ty, uh, interesting. So you just go out on the street. It's, it's They're all worried, though, that mom and dad are paying. I mean, they're, they're aware of it. Yeah. They're cognizant. So, so, I mean, most people, like you heard, were, were paying for it themselves, or at least yeah. had to at least work, and they had to earn money, and then the parents to make up the difference. To be fair, though, it is a bit of apples and oranges between... BYU and other schools because That's true. BYU is this incredible value and they've kept the cost way down. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas uh, even a, a modest state school in most of the states can be you know, five figures a semester. Yeah. Maybe just barely. But, so imagine know. as a parent that you're already stressed out trying to get your kid you know, taken care of at school and on top of it they come home and they say, oh, I need a new laptop. Seriously, dad. My laptop is so messed up. Want to know what my dad would say to that? What? Buy your own. <laughs> your dad is rude. My dad was nice. He bought me my first last ha- laptop. Yeah, and then he said, after that, you're you're on your own. Yeah, if yours break down, you gotta. Earn See, your money. I said that to my kid when he was twelve, and I gave him a used laptop. But he says he's he'll need more. Twelve. 
I think there's a simple <laughs> parenting strategy here. If they want a modest, rock-solid, dependable PC-based laptop for $300, absolutely. If they want an Apple one, one of those uh, four-figure laptop uh, MacBooks, forget it. Pay for it yourself. See, you're just anti-Mac. I'm anti – yeah, I am. You are. So you need to get over that. Uh, but it's – isn't this interesting? So money – Money and family, you know, goes hand in hand. We're going to be bringing on, after this break, Diane T. Garden, who is the author of Budgeting on a Dime, 10 Steps to Financial Independence. She understands this. She understands the impact money can have on relationships. We're going to pick her brain and figure out how we can get through the holidays without going broke. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. There's an answer to every question, a solution to every problem. Join a group of leading scholars and experts in the conversation about practical and constructive solutions to today's societal issues. BYU's Wheatley Forum shares motivating and inspiring ideas on the present and future of our world today. Join us on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Tens of thousands of Egyptians took to the streets today for anti-Morsi demonstrations. It was the largest gathering of protests in the country since the successful efforts to overthrow the former dictator. President Mohamed Morsi has come under harsh fire ever since he announced an expansion of presidential power that would have made his decrees above judicial review. He has since scaled back the decree, but protesters are still not satisfied. Violence and clashes with police coupled with the large gatherings, which are quickly proving to be the most unified opponents to the Islamist president of just five months. French officials say they would back a non-member status for Palestine from the United Nations, one of the strongest endorsements for a Palestinian statehood yet. Just last year, Palestine was blocked from receiving statehood status in the U.N. by the United States, but now an attempt for non-member status is being put together. If Palestine were to be recognized with statehood, the country's leaders could file complaints against Israel in international court, which could help more disputes between the two nations be settled without military means. Courthouses and public buildings in 26 Tennessee counties were evacuated today after a string of telephone bomb threats. Authorities say the threats are very similar to others made recently in Oregon, Washington and Nevada. By midday, authorities had cleared the majority of the courthouses and no bombs had been found in any of the other states either. Authorities in Memphis said a woman called in early to warn of a plan to blow up the federal building, but no word so far on who called in the other threats. The Powerball jackpot has now reached a whopping $500 million. That makes it the highest Powerball prize in history and the second highest lottery reward ever, second only to the $656 million Mega Millions prize from last March. Ticket prices were increased to $2 in January in an attempt to build prize money faster. For every ticket sold, $1 goes to the game and the other goes to the state-run lottery organization. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. 
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking finances and uh, how to not let, you know, the finances ruin the family life, your relationships, the people you love, you hold dear and near to you. And with Friday, you know, we kicked off Christmas shopping for the season last Friday, Black Friday. For some odd reason, they use that color. We're a few days in now, and the temptation for a lot of us is already popping up, even in this economy that's so tough, to use plastic to pay for our purchases. Rob Sanders warns that decision could cost you millions of dollars. Back in the 1990s, there were these marketers behind this fuzzy alien-looking toy. But they were so good at their jobs, they got almost all of us in America to buy one. Today, there's a good chance that product is still sitting broken on your garage shelf, or maybe you've given it to a thrift store, or, like most of America, thrown it away. Well, I just learned they are rebooting this gift. The same ugly, furry look that you'd find in your garage, but with a new $59 price tag. I'm sure more than a few people are falling for the trap. And let's imagine for a minute, one of those people is me. I put that $59 right onto a credit card, assuming I can find one. From what I read in the news, it sounds like the manufacturer is doing that whole fake shortage thing, like the old Tickle Me Elmo, Gigapets, and even this toy's older brother from back in 1998. You know, the kind of fake shortage that helps to incite panic buying for something which, before the shortage, you probably didn't even know was for sale. But in our imaginations, I found one, and I put the $60 right onto my credit card. 39% interest, I decide to make minimum payments, so what's it going to cost me? Well, at 39% interest, if it makes me pay it off in one year, well, it'd cost me an extra $25, because that's about 39% of $60. But that's only because the credit card has a minimum fee that forces you to pay small purchases like that off quickly. What about people with big balances? People who only have to make the 2% payment. Okay, I'll imagine that for a moment. I buy this fuzzy atrocity of a toy, stick it on my credit card for $60, and pay 2% per month. You know how long that takes to pay off? I put it in the credit card calculator here online. 600 payments! That's 50 years. You want to know how much interest I pay? Well, according to the calculator, $272,000. What? How does that happen? Well, reading the fine print on the calculator, it makes sense. Yet maxes out at 600 payments. That means I would have paid an infinite amount of interest forever. How does that work? Well, it turns out a minimum payment of 2% equals 24% per year. That's lower than the interest rate on the card, which is 39%. That means the minimum payments I make are less than the amount the principal grows because of new interest. I'd never get out of debt. So if this doesn't make sense with a $60 balance, why does it suddenly make sense at a couple hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars? Now you're probably saying, come on, 39%? Okay, let's imagine it's a much more modest 17% interest. You know, that's less than the 24% per year I pay. I ran it in the calculator. It still traps me into the maximum 600 monthly payments, albeit the interest is much better, $141. I guess I made a whole bunch of tiny payments for a very long time. But that said, the total interest is still two and a half times what the original ugly fur toy cost me in the first place. Again, on small purchases, credit card issuers do typically require a minimum payment of $20 to force you to pay it off quickly. 
because that makes sense on small purchases. But that doesn't happen for people with big debt. Somebody who borrows $6,000 is never required to make a $2,000 payment to get out of debt quickly. But if it makes sense for the person with the small balance on their credit card, doesn't it make just as much sense or even more sense to pay it off quickly when you have a large amount? It's so easy, if you stop to think about it, to get sucked into this trap, especially at Christmas time. And these days, it's not like I can roll it into a mortgage. And if I got too much debt caught in this downward spiral of compound interest, I can only imagine the amount of crushing stress it could put on relationships. Look at Rob Sanders. Now, who would spend four minutes talking about finances for a Furby? <laughs> Truly great. You there, Rob? Well, it's it not was a so Furby. much Let's spending just admit finances it. on the Furby. It's why you shouldn't. Oh, is that the point? Okay. Also, I didn't want to plug the Furby, but now we have it. I just did. <laughs> Pluggage. Uh, so that's why we need our expert here. Diane Teagarden is the author and president of Firewalker Publications, which brings us, you know, it's, it's just a place that you can go get some excellent books, healthy books. But one of the books that she's written is a book called Budgeting on a Dime, 10 Steps to Financial Independence. Diane, welcome to the program. Thanks so much. You How bet. are you all doing today? Good. Excellent. Good to have you on the show. Now, have you ever bought a $200,000 Furby, Diane? That seems like a bad idea. <laughs> I'll tell you what. There are a lot of reasons why you shouldn't use credit cards, but there's one very good reason why you should have good enough credit to have one credit card. What is that one? And that's what I really call an emergency, which I don't think means, you know, doing your nails or getting that $4,000 right. bag or, you know, whatever, you know, buying, buying uh, things for other people. Uh, for example, uh, when you go to... Um, when you, uh, you you might have an accident, and there are always deductibles that you are responsible for. If you don't happen to have that set aside in savings, well, you know, you get in a car accident, your family gets in a car accident, your kid gets in an accident at school. I just had somebody talk to me about uh, their son who played football, had a serious accident, come to find mm. out their health plan was very, very, uh, you know, yeah, small limited, and what yeah. it would help not very helpful. So they suddenly are faced with, he even asked me um, on air, he said, well, should I, should my, my, my wife or I get a job, a second job in order to pay for this extra expense? And there's a lot of, uh, you know, things to be considered. Um, you know, that will raise your basic income, which will raise your taxes. Right. Also, sometimes, you know, if you can't get a really good-paying job, just getting any kind of a job could actually put you more in debt because it costs to work. You have to drive there or spend on transportation. Mm. There, there might be clothing that you have to purchase, right. particularly for that type of job. I mean, uh, you know, Plus business just the attire. impact, right? The impact on your life. Your family, your, yeah. Well, also, I mean, if if, if uh, you already have, with the one job you have, the arrangement for who's taking care of the kids when, you're going to have to extend that. So there's there's child care that it's extended to. Right. It just is very complicated. So it's better to have, um, you know, or like say, again, you know, if, if you just get in a fender bender, well, you know, your deductible on your on your car is, what, five $600, whatever it is. If you don't have that saved, then you have to put it on a credit card. So that is an emergency to get yourself you back, you know, working. You have to keep that, you know, well, at least you, if you live in Southern California, you have to have a car. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and as you're sitting here... And you add on top of it, it's during the holiday season, and you add on top right. of it, it's snowing and cold where we are, and you need, 
you not only need a car, you need a car and to not freeze and you got to get to work. And so it kind of adds up. That's why I liked your background, because you didn't just kind of happen into this as some financial expert up front. You you had to learn these steps, you know, the hard way. Right. We've owned two businesses, my husband and I. Each were 10 years. The reason why we stopped one is because he saw something that he wanted to do instead, and I was able to, um, because it was installing security alarm systems, we had uh, um, uh, contracts with all of our, our customers for monitoring. Right. And so that is valuable. That paper that they signed said for five years we're going to pay you know $20 a month times 12 times five. Right. And so that's minus the time that they had been with the company. That's what those pieces of paper were valued at. So I went ahead and sold the company, and we uh, started the next company, which was a solar installation uh, business, uh, without borrowing a dime from the bank. I don't know a lot of people who've done that. We no. didn't, and, and the first one, we didn't borrow from the bank either because this is going to sound like I'm from outer space, but he and I, we were like work crazy people, and uh, we both had a full-time job. In the meantime, we were building up the security system job, just doing, you know, side jobs and doing, you know, jobs here and there. Right. And I said, and I mean, I just have had a head for figures for a long time. I said, okay, when we get to 70% of our income, I do believe that we can live on 70% of what we're making now. We'll be able to change over to full-time to our new job. So we worked two jobs, a full-time job and then building up our company until we were making enough money that we were able to step aside and not have to borrow from a bank. So, you know, I'm not making this up. I've been there. But that um, takes discipline. Like, in a way, it takes so much (laughs) discipline. I wonder... It's a word. It is. It's kind of like poisonous, isn't it? Well, I was posting something, you know, on Facebook, little blurbs from the book, and this one lady, um, because I did have some suggestions for Christmas, and I said, for example, okay, we're already in the season. People are going to do what they've always done. It's too late to give them advice on that in particular. But, hey, January's just right around the corner. So let's say you've got, you know, to make it easy, um, 12 gifts to buy, you mm-hmm. know, every Christmas, uh, serious gifts to buy. Why not buy a couple each month of the next year? So that by the time you roll around to November, you've got most of them bought. They're all sitting up there in a closet or wherever you hide your, your gifts. And all you have to do is sit there and put on some nice music and get in the mood and then wrap them. I mean, it really detoxes Christmas for a lot of people. And she put some snoid remark about, well, that really takes a lot of discipline and forethought. And I thought, why is this sounding like a bad thing? I don't get that. <laughs> it's funny because that's just the word budgeting. So your name of the book is Budgeting on a Dime. Right. I but put just, it right up there at front. <laughs> but just the word budgeting, it, it uh-huh. demands discipline. And, and maybe there's just some people, honestly, that would rather have the stress than the discipline. Well, that's because they think discipline means you're not cool. Right. And believe me, I am very cool. <laughs> Look at you. You've already got <laughs> presents for next year, which is great. I mean, it really uh, is. I think I, I love the word. You use the word toxic. I mean, that's what it does is it when all of a sudden you just don't like anybody you're buying the presents for because you have to buy presents when you don't have money, You're gonna. it's going to be toxic. Well, I think that's part... Um, I was also talking a long time ago to a girlfriend, and I said, well, why not just have a big family gathering? This is one of my biggest tips on how to keep it from busting everybody's budget. Mm -hmm. If you have, you know, family in a generally centrally located area where they wouldn't have to travel in for Christmas, why not just get together and, like, 
you know, have somebody who likes to work with the kids, have them put on a little play, and they can be working with them, you know, for the first part of the party and then present it to the adults and the grandparents. I mean, they love that. Mm -hmm. The grandparents love that kind of thing. And also, and so I was going on telling her about this get-together that everyone's got a signature dish that they make better, you know, than anyone else in the family. Have that, bring that together, Uh, you know, bring your sweets that you buy together, I mean, that you make together. And, uh, And the adults, well, the children are off playing and stuff like that during the beginning of the day, they can just catch up on things that have happened to them during the year, you know, funny stories, sad stories, whatever it is, Yeah. Uh, you know, and just exchange of information that, I mean, storytelling used to be an art. Right. It used to be something that people would actually get together just to do that. And, and as an, you know, as a, 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 a nice, you know, variation from watching TV or, you know, playing with electronic media, you know, you know, text messaging the person who's sitting next to you at dinner, you might think of just talking to each other and, and sharing that information and make it like a big family party and maybe just have a family, uh, uh, you know, lottery where you pull out, you know, you can do this digitally online, uh, pull out uh, just the number of people in your family, say you have five people in your family, mm-hmm. so you pull out of the hat, uh, five names of five of the family's children. So everybody only buys as many gifts as are in their family. Yeah, I okay? like that. And that makes it special. Totally. Well, uh, there's nothing worse to me than the old Christmas that we did this, and I have three sisters and me, and we're sitting there, and we're all, we're all just beside ourselves, tired, Christmas Eve, everything's so great, and we do the gift exchange, and everybody just hands gift cards to everybody. <laughs> And I'm sitting there thinking, look, I've got my gift cards. I should just have kept them. And you've got yeah. your gift cards. You yeah. could just keep them. But we, it's this obligation that we have to do this. So I like this idea that you're saying, let's talk. Let's go. Let's go. Let's turn this holiday into something else. I remember one time I brought up, let's do a sub for Santa for another family and spend some of our money on another family. And we could even all spend less, but it would still be great for this family. And People like, oh, but that's not Christmas. I'm thinking, Why not? Oh, Why isn't it giving to those who really need? Well, or here's an idea, and this is kind of, I did this a couple years ago. Um, there's this uh, thing online called mypoints.com. And what you do is you sign up. And everybody, you know, stay with me for a second. You sign up to get emails in your inbox, and it's for different various products. But all you have to do is wait until it completely loads up. It doesn't time you out. You have to spend five minutes or five dollars or five cents on it. As long as you open the email and you let it completely load up, bang, you've got your five points there, ten points for this, ten points for that. They also let you earn points for buying stuff that you would already buy. So you can get 100 points for you know, buying something online That's that you, would, you, would, you need anyway or that you would buy anyway. I saved up the points. And instead of using them for myself, you know, me and me, 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 right. I went ahead and saved them for about three years because I wasn't using them. I was just opening the, the emails and this, that, and the other. That Christmas, three years later, I happened to be kind of short on cash. So I went ahead, and now, again, it takes that nasty thing of foresight. Yes. And so it took them a couple months to get me the card. So in October, 
I asked my sister, she's got this immense family, I asked my sister, what store does everybody like to shop at individually, not all together? So she got me the names of everyone's favorite place to go buy stuff for themselves. And I went ahead and and redeemed almost all the points that I had gained in three years for very nice gift cards. But this is different than most gift cards where you're like, oh, great, there's not even this store around where I live. You know, I asked them, where do you like to shop? And then bought them gift cards for that and did it in enough time. And these are the adults of the family, okay? So yeah. you don't got to give them cute little frilly little junk that they're never <laughs> going to use anyway. Uh, Mathems is what they call them in, in uh, The Hobbit. It's, you know, useful yeah. stuff that people give you, and you end up with a closet full, and then the next time you get to chance, you give it to somebody else. <laughs> so, I you know, love it. Just you know, and, and it cost me nothing, nothing that year. But it did take some forethought and some planning. Uh, Diane, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We're going to keep, uh, you know, trying to get more out of you. It's just squeezing <laughs> all of these ideas out of you. Okay. We're talking to Diane Teagarden, um, who who wrote a book, uh, Budgeting on a Dime, 10 Steps to Financial Independence. She's helping us figure out how to make relationships work and the finances during the holiday season. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. From Earth to Mercury, power used efficiently is critical for a successful mission. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. The Space Probe Messenger is the first spacecraft to orbit Mercury, and for more than a year now, it's been sending back some amazing images. NASA Glenn Research Center worked with a company called Advanced Power Electronics to develop a special power converter that makes sure messengers' science instruments and communications work continuously, even when it's millions of miles from Earth. The goal of the device is to gather the most energy possible from messengers' solar panels. Much like a traffic cop at an intersection, the converter directs the flow and levels of electricity collected from solar panels, sending part of that power into storage batteries and pulling electricity out of the orbiter's batteries to provide energy when the solar panels can't use the sun's light. The power generation and storage technology can also be used here on Earth for quickly charging batteries on radios and other devices in remote locations. Other uses for the technology could include providing power through solar or wind sources in rural farming areas in developing countries and allowing for the remote operation of irrigation pumps. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. In such a fast-paced world, isn't it nice to slow down every now and then? Dean Duncan's approach to interviewing isn't about rushing through. He likes to take his time in getting to know his guests. Join us for This Will Take a While, weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking with Diane T. Garden, who's the author of 
budgeting on a dime, 10 steps to financial independence. And Diane is helping us figure out how to make it through the holidays without losing family or our financial status. So, Diane, welcome back to the show with us. Hey, thanks. Good to have you. Now, um, in your book, Budgeting on a Dime, you have 10 different steps. What are some of those steps we should be paying attention to? Well, the first one is in order to, to live within your means, which is the first, the first uh, goal of the book, then after you can learn to live within your means, what you actually have, then when you get additional income, you have what I call affordable luxuries. So rather than spending every single dime you get, you have to know how much money you spend and on what. And that's really where the key, where it all starts. It's sort of like a house. You've got to start with the foundation. And what that foundation is, is setting up uh, your budget and finding out that is not saying um, how much there's a couple things a budget does. You have to know where exactly you're spending money and in what areas so that you know where you can slice a little right. here, slice a little there, change something up here, and then you can uh, get to live within your means. And once you're comfortable with that, again, you get a raise, somebody else gets a raise, or one of your you know bills go away. I mean, you know, people do pay off houses, cars, whatever. Right. Once that bill goes away, instead of Jumping your expenses right back up to that additional income, use that to save. Use that to put away for emergencies. Use that so that you can invest in your future. I mean, you were talking about earlier on the show, um, you know, uh, kids going to college. I read that this one family, they had six kids, and not one of them did they give a penny to, but Hmm. they all put themselves through college. How? Because the first year of high school, the kids started learning how to dig through grants and scholarships and find their own money. So yeah. that in four years, yeah, okay. There's a lot me. of money there. There's a lot of money there, but it takes it's uh, it takes a long time to dig through it. So what you do is you start them, and first of all, first they're thinking about it, and then they're doing something about it. They're empowering themselves for their future, and most people who are paying their way through college don't change, uh, you know, majors 700 times just so that they can extend their fun college days. Because, hey, this is coming out of their hide now, and they're going to actually get to it and get busy and get through it. So that's the difference between people who are given something and people who earn it. You value it, and you also are much more serious about it, and, you know, it's something that, um, you know, you are proud of when you're when you're done i do have a couple extra tips for people for the uh christmas one is now get this i bet you everybody in the studio will agree everyone loves to sing christmas carols nobody knows the words of the, the songs right <laughs> <It's> so true <laughs> okay? yeah except for a couple of them you know jingle bells yeah the ones that were in the choir ones. But um, if, they, if you, we did this one one uh, year in our family, and it was so much fun, and none of us can sing, so we're just like laughing and falling <laughs> all over each other in like ten minutes. But copy the lyrics to Christmas carols, and and then you know make it enough uh, pages for everybody you know in the family or that wants to, and have a big old sing along. It's so fun. That is fun, and we do that every year. And what's great about it is it's very inexpensive, if not free. Yeah. And it's it kind of it unites you. It brings you closer together. It really there are a lot of things you can do uh, in an inexpensive way for the holidays. And, and I think maybe what this really gets to, like you were saying earlier, you have to know where you are and what you're spending um, in order to start making adjustments. It really this isn't brain surgery, is it, Diane? This is just no. 
And, and there's enough out there. There's enough resources. There's what website, by the way, could they go to with you to to get more tools or ideas? Well, my website is www.firewalkerpublications with an s publications dot com, and that has uh, all my books. Um, it also has um, a short PDF uh, version of budgeting on a dime and there's also links to you know where you can go to get the books i purposefully made this book inexpensive so that it wouldn't be an additional burden but um you know some of the things that you have to do once you i start you off with an asset evaluation because i want people to first feel empowered they think well i don't have anything well you'd be surprised at how much you do have and what you have and what it's worth so you start with the basis of positivity, and then you look into your monthly expenses. Now, did I say you have to sit down there and do that in one day or one hour or, you know, a marathon session? No. Take it, you know, once every couple of weekends until you've knocked out that list and you've because you have to dig through your bills and find out, you know, uh, monthly how much you're doing. Bank statements are very helpful because you can sit there and add up all your grocery bills because there's, you know, some of them even let you allocate different expenses to a particular um you know, uh, area, right. uh, you know, or, or you can just, you know, sit there and tick it off and say, okay, well, here, I went to, you know, my grocery store uh, five times, you know, during the month, and mm-hmm. I spent approximately $150 or whatever it is, and then you've got a basis on how much you spend. And the, what's great about the book is, and Chapter 3 is called Reducing Expenses. I give you tons of tips on every single type of expense. And I would never tell a person, because I'm not making these decisions. You're making this decision to empower yourself and to help yourself and your family. But I give you ideas that may not have occurred to you. Like people would say, well, I can't just uh, stop paying car insurance. Did I say that? I would never <laughs> say that. You know? right. But you can shop around. Again, it takes a little bit of, of uh, you know, writing down all the things that you need for insurance and the, you know, limitations on liability for various things. And then you go and shop at some at several different websites and actually dig in and find out what insurance can you get that will give you the same value for a little less money. And maybe that'll shave $50 per month. What is that? That might be nothing. But if you do that to 10 areas, that's five hundred dollars. Right. And then you're paying down a bill and then you can once that bill's paid off, pay off the next one and, and work it that way. Uh, we're gonna take a break again here with Diane Teagarden and come back, Diane. We'll come back, have a, about ten minutes or so to to wrap up with you the best ideas, the tools. We'd love to hear some more steps uh, from your book, Budgeting on a Dime, Ten Steps to Financial Independence, which again you can get at firewalkerpublications.com. We'll be back working on our finances. For the holiday season right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. Sometimes it's hard to keep up with the latest news and research in pivotal societal issues. BYU's Wheatley Forum presents the research of leading scholars and experts in current social issues and events. Learn, explore, and discuss the world around us with The Wheatley Forum, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The ACLU is suing for U.S. servicewomen to be allowed to take up active ground combat roles on the grounds of changing of the changing nature of combat and fairness for career soldiers. The case was filed in federal court in North Carolina and surrounds four women who want to be allowed to serve in the same capacity as men. In a legal complaint filed with the court, the civil rights group claims that the policy to bar certain people from specific military roles based on gender is unconstitutional. After a meeting with U.N. Ambassador Susan Rice, top Republican lawmakers are now more concerned than ever about the role she played in the response to the attack on the U.S. Embassy in Benghazi, Libya. Rice is considered by many to be the frontrunner to replace Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State, but due to her handling of the Libya attack, Republicans have vowed to block her. In a meeting behind closed doors today, to explain her response, Rice said she was wrong to say the attack was the result of a spontaneous protest, which further concerns lawmakers because her remarks came five days after the fact and with the Council of Intelligence officials. A federal judge ruled today that some major tobacco companies now have to take out ads explaining they deliberately deceived the American public about the addictiveness and dangers of tobacco use. Big tobacco companies fought back, saying that a forced admission of attempted deceit would infringe on their free speech rights. This ruling has also finalized the wording of the ads, which will explain that tobacco companies attempted to advertise low-tar and light cigarettes as less harmful than regular ones. Where the ads will be placed has yet to be determined. Taking his message directly to the intended audience, Representative Daryl Issa introduced a new bill on Internet regulations on the social media site Reddit today. Reddit has been home to some of the leading online opposition against Internet regulations. The proposed bill would bar Congress from passing any new regulations for the next two years, and ISA will be answering questions about it in a thread on Reddit tomorrow. Critics say that banning all regulations may actually be counterproductive for net neutrality activists, though with the fiscal cliff looming, Congress isn't likely to focus on the bill anytime soon. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are doing what we can on this program to help you and your loved ones grow healthier, happier lives, give you a leg up in this crazy thing we call life. And today we are taking on the subject of finances, your family, and the holidays, and how to not get buried or to how not to bury anyone through your financial problems. Uh, and we're talking with Diane Teagarden, that uh, she's the author of the book Budgeting on a Dime, 10 Steps to Financial Independence. Diane's been teaching us, you know, we've got to figure out where our money's coming from, how much we actually need, where we're spending it. And Diane, what are a few more of your tips that we can use uh, near this holiday season to make sure we uh, stay ahead of the game? Well, here's a really great one. I think that um, writing cards has fallen by the wayside, and it does take a lot of time as far as sitting down and keeping up with people's address and whatnot. But there are electronic cards that you can send for free. So there's no stamps, no running to the post office. You don't have to buy the cards. And just a few of those um, car- free card, e-card websites is jibjab.com, which yes. is hysterical. Those are funny. My family love those. Yeah. 
And if you haven't, if you don't know what Jib Jab is, you, there are these little animated, uh, fun, almost cartoons that they have already put prepared and what you do is you just put pictures of you and your family as the faces of people in the cartoons and my I mean my family just falls all over the place yeah. when I send those. Plus so. they think you're funny. <laughs> all of a sudden you get credit for having a sense of humor. Yeah, you know, they think, wow, you're very clever. And I'm like, yeah, I could press a button. I spent hours I, I, on I am, it. darn it. And uh, well, here's a couple more uh, big ones. MyFunCards.com, which are also uh, very nice ones. And if you b- believe it or not, AmericanGreetings.com. So they're the traditional, uh, nice, you know, there are religious cards. There are, you know, Santa Claus-type cards. Um, there's also one more that I want to mention, punchbowl.com. And by the way, none of these people are giving me money for, you know, endorsing them. I'm right. not endorsing them. I'm just giving out the information because these are free cards. Once you've built your initial uh, email list within it, you just pick and choose what card you want. Um, you can send them, you know, send one to everybody you know or send them individually. And that uh, will free up. It's a lot of time, a lot of uh, effort. And, you know, trying to figure out what to say on on each one of these cards and write them out. It's, it's kind of laborious. So um, a, a good tip here, okay, save about $10 cash to spend after Christmas for seriously marked down uh, wrapping paper, gift cards, and Christmas cards if you still uh, want to buy uh, you know, paper cards, because the same roll of, of paper, I mean, you'll just gag when you look at the prices. The same roll of paper that will cost you like $5 before Christmas will be like $1. Why? Because nowadays stores do not have a big back room where they store stuff and they can sell it to you next year. Right. Everything is brand new coming into the back just of that in warehouse. Time, right. They've got to clear that stuff out. They're going to get new stuff for next year. So you can go the day after Christmas. On the 26th, you can go and you can say, oh my God, I paid $10 for this stuff. And the next, whether it's decorations for the trees, um, you know, setting stuff for your table, um, and it, but especially, you know, uh, Christmas wrapping paper, which, since I'm a big environmentalist, how about switching over to from wrapping paper to um, the great gift bags? There are beautiful gift bags. You don't have to sit there. And I mean, some people look like they have rolled this thing up and down a hill. <laughs> yeah. Where'd that gift? That's why it's better to not give gifts. You just can <laughs> smile and say, hey, I just wanted to save some wrapping. Uh, well, you could, you could pop them into these lovely gift bags and. Um, and then the people that you're giving them to have all those lovely gift bags for next year. And all the gift bags that you get gifts in, save them for the next year. You can always use them again over and over again. Yeah. And um, uh, this is for something, because this happened, you know, as your parents get older, you realize, darn, they either have everything they want or buy themselves whatever they want. Right. So around Christmas time, they're like, oh, I don't know what you can get me. Okay, everyone has a favorite charity. Okay, everyone, it's, it could be, you know, homeless. It could be uh, St. Jude's Hospital for Children. It could be, um, you know, the Vietnam vets or, or veterans. Everyone has a special, uh, you know, charity that they like to give to. You can make a small donation. And what the charity does, because I've done this for several people who, you know, they say, I can't think of anything I need. I've got everything, or I don't have room for anything right. else in my house. Um, they they send them a nice Christmas card with your name on it. Uh, you know, just saying they, they that they you have donated a gift in their name for that charity, but they don't say how much, so you don't have to be embarrassed if you're broke. You could still give them something and make them feel like they did something good for other people. And believe it or not, for people that have everything, that's kind of nice. I think you're right. I mean, and really, it's. We may be losing the spirit of it anyway, right? We're supposed to be, it's about giving, not just receiving. And so maybe maybe us being a little more disciplined, if we were more disciplined, we might be helping others 
actually feel better about the season. Sure. And, and get back to the feeling of, you know, um, it's about good food, family. Um, for some people, uh, it's more on the Santa Claus end. For other people, it's more on the spiritual end. I'm not, you know, advocating anything in particular. But I do have a number one rule of Christmas finance. And yes. every, almost everybody who gets messed up with their credit cards, if you're still paying off last year's credit card debt from Christmas spending, when you begin this Christmas holiday, then you're spending too much. That you is a great rule. That is a great rule. So if if you're still paying for it, then we got to we got to stop it this year. Right. You got to figure out some other way to do it. Which, again, um, there are these wonderful. Um, it's called the Entertainment Book, and it's got all these tons and tons of coupons for um, movies, clothing, shopping, um, you know, fast food places and they have them for sections for all over the country you can go online look up you know google the entertainment book and you can get one especially a couple of months into the new year some of the coupons have expired so it's more than half off so you can get it for about fifteen dollars and uh, you can tear out coupons and just send them a bunch of coupons where they can uh, save for next, you know, for the just regular, um, you know, spending during the year. So that's something that's yeah. kind of fun. And or you can just buy the whole book for the whole family and and people being able to choose what they want to buy is kind of neat. I think I think it is too. And it and again, it's I guess it's more about giving your heart, being being with the people you're with, and. But but two, I guess we can also get ahead, and if we can't do it at this Christmas time, let's at least plan, you're saying, in January to take over our financial life again. They can go find out more about your uh, book. The name of your book is called Budgeting on a Dime, 10 Steps to Financial Independence, and they can find that at firewalkerpublications.com. And you know what? It's also available in paperback and ebook on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. There you have it. So awesome, Diane Teagarden. Appreciate you. Have a merry Christmas, and thank uh, you. and I hope everyone out there is listening. Thank you so much, Matt. You nice bet. being on the show. You too. Thank you, Diane, for all your insight. We're going to um, continue our discussion about um, you know money. And the finances, we so appreciate Diane's willingness to be on the show and help us with that. As we do this, uh, one of the things that I, I guess in the end might you know, be difficult are some of the traditional roles we have around money. Money management's always a tough part of our marriages, our lives, our families. And our producer, Madison Allred, gives us some insight on some successful methods to divvy up the responsibilities. In America, the traditional gender roles in pertaining to money is that the man should handle financial planning and investments, while the woman should take care of day-to-day finances. The idea is since the woman has more interaction with the family on a day-to-day basis, they'd be in a better situation to manage the family's small expenses. Also, since the man is out in the world, working and more in touch with Business America, he'd be more likely to hear of new successful investments and to jump on that bandwagon. But are these thoughts outdated? According to a report by Forbes Online magazine, women's minds have been shown to be hardwired to multitask. Well, you know what that sounds like? Strategic planning. Essentially, women have it in their genetics to do the financial planning and investments. Men are also hardwired to focus on one thing at a time and to think more about goals in the short term. That sounds like the perfect planner for day-to-day finances to me. 
This works perfectly for those who have opposite money styles in their marriage. It is quite common, actually, for financial opposites to attract one another. Traditional gender roles may work for your family, but be open to switching based upon your spouse's tendencies and spending habits. Are you more of an impulsive, just love to have fun person? Forbes contributor Nancy Anderson suggests that it might be better for you to be in charge of short-term emergency savings and manage unexpected expenses. The dishwasher broke again. Need to replace it? Just what you were prepared for. With regulated transfers from your checking to your short-term savings account, you get to be happy because you are a natural spender and you are spending on the little things in life that just happen and need to be taken care of. Are you more of a person who is a rock and holds on to your money? You'd be perfect to manage your guys' retirements, savings plans, and also planning so that you can take that vacation you've always wanted. The plan is the spender spends and the saver saves. Doesn't this sound so much easier to think about your finances this way? So, regardless of what seems to be the norm, determine your fiscal responsibilities upon aptitude and not gender. And a girl. Oh, thanks. That was very good, Madison. Um, because really, a lot of times, I mean, the gender walls are coming down, right? We're not these barriers. We, it's not what it used to be. Yeah, very true. And quite honestly, I don't have a clue how much money I have <laughs> or I don't have. Uh, as long as I just know my wife knows. Yeah. Because she just she just says work. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, that is kind of funny, like with different you know, relationships and marriages. Some people are just like, you know, my husband takes care of all the money. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Um, some people are just like, you know, that's just my wife's thing. That's like, but it's suicide because (laughs) if my wife died, heaven forbid, I would be in big trouble (laughs) because I wouldn't have a clue what to do. Well, I wouldn't know where my money is. I wouldn't know. See, that's the thing. So for your marriage, it's probably something like you can spend money on, you know, things you want like that, you know, new laptop, stuff like that. (laughs) But she's, you know, managing your long term stuff like for your guys' retirement. So that's probably just because based on your guys' personality, that's what works out best. She's also more disciplined. And that I don't know. That's a that's just a general thing. One of one person in the marriage or the relationship is probably more disciplined. Yeah. And so I always joke about how there tends to be opposites, like a spender and a saver. So in my marriage, I'm more of the spender. Actually, my wife's a spender, but she knows how to save. She also likes a deal. If mm-hmm. there's a coupon, she thinks she's getting a deal, <laughs> even if we're not, and it costs us 10 times more. But um, there really are these opposites. And I wonder if we're not I, – I think we still need to be willing to do both. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, I need to. I probably need to get more involved. But like when it comes to making an insurance decision, she doesn't like that level of minutia and detail and she doesn't like that. Mm-hmm. So she'll usually throw that at me yeah, and I'll throw more of the day-to-day at her. Um, but in the end, I think we're going to have to learn to do it together. Yeah. One of those things, you know, marriage, learning how to do things together. Can we? <laughs> or you can just be really rich and have somebody do it for you. Yep. Perfect. Like Skyboy over there. Yep. It's a lot easier and is it more easy? carefree. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah. You've got a really hard life. <laughs> you, you're just like sitting here saying, should I play guitar all day or half the day? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, that's right. I got to go work decisions. on the show. And then I'll, <laughs> I guess I could do a paper, but I'll just wait till 
the night before it's due. I'm just going to play more guitar. <laughs> you know that's true. It's that's why true. you're not fighting. <laughs> He's not even fighting it. Uh, the, the other thing it seems about money, money is so connected to our power. And like a lot of times – so I was a divorce mediator. Mm-hmm. And I was convinced that um, – so I had a couple once that – they had to divide up how they were going to give everything away, right? I mean, how they're going to divide up all the stuff in the house. And they fought the entire way, which is why they were divorcing. So we literally just flipped a coin. They made a list of everything that was in the house. Whatever wasn't on this list was no longer – did not exist as, as being real. So they had to – everyone had to make sure everything they wanted was on the list. And um, we had them flip a coin. And the female chose – actually, the male chose first – and he chose something off the female off the, that was this woman's. It was his wife's. He chose a loom. It was a what? it was a weaving loom to weave a rug. This guy's never used a loom in his life. Okay, that was just you know he, he to was get just her. hitting her right between the eyes. And then she went down and she stole like she didn't steal, but she then chose like the gun cabinet. And then he chose all – anyway, it went back and forth. And I, I I thought somewhere it would break, like it would dawn on them that they're losing. <laughs> so somebody would like finally kick in and say, no, we've got to – but you know what? They never did. And they went down the list literally one thing at a time and chose the other – the thing that their partner would have wanted. So at the very end, they both had exactly what the other wanted and needed. She, in fact, had lost the house. But um, no, no, no. She had the house. Where, and so she needed all the lawn equipment, but he got all the lawn equipment even though he had a place that he was renting where he wouldn't do the lawn. Uh. And I sat there and I thought, you know what? Maybe this is kind of the problem, not just of a divorcing couple, but we kind of – we get so competitive and power kind of hungry and justifiably so because she was on that loom for hours. So by golly, if we're going to end the marriage, I'm taking the loom. <laughs> And well, great. I'll take the guns. And so all of a sudden they had lost everything, had gained nothing and literally were leaving with nothing except junk they didn't want. Exactly. Isn't that weird? That's so. Competition versus cooperation. Can't have it. Can't mm-hmm. have it. Uh, yet that's what seems to pull us apart at these at these times. Also, this competition that we need to keep up with our brothers and our sisters. We need to like if they're buying gifts, we're buying gifts. Anyway, competition and Christmas. You know what? They don't go together. That's why you don't have a Christmas song about competition. I don't know if you've checked the – go check the list of Christmas songs. There's not competition songs. There's just not. I it's saw more about Mommy peace. Kissing Santa Claus. You did? Mm-hmm. No, no, isn't that a song? No, I, I thought you were just admitting something. No. But like there, there could be that competition between see, Santa Claus and the dad. I know. But see, that's freaky because isn't that the one that, where she gets run over by a reindeer? That's Grandma Different got one. ran over by a reindeer. See, I think the songs at Christmas are getting violent too. Yep. And they're turning into infidelities. <laughs> the, I'm, I'm not getting nothing for Christmas. The tattling song. The tattling song. Yeah, because he's like doing all this bad stuff and the kids are yeah. tattling on him. There's competition. That's seen notice. Every one of those brings a spirit not of Christmas, Christmas. but a spirit contention. of contention and the Grinch. And the Grinch. <sighs> Good thoughts. Okay, you're listening to the Matt Townsend <laughs> Show. We're going to take a break. We'll be back to wrap up this crazy thing. We call a show, and uh, we're going to come back, change the mood a little bit. Uh, We're going to have Bryce do one of his fantastic rants. And then we're going to share with you some really bad analogies written by high school students and Skyler. Right next, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show. 
You've heard of the jaws of life before. Now get ready to meet the piranha version. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Firefighters and emergency workers have had powered cutting tools for rescue work for years now. They look like giant claws powered by heavy, complicated, and expensive hydraulic pumps and hoses. Thanks to some innovative thinking by a NASA contractor, there's a way to put all that power into a device that fits in a pocket. The High Shear Technology Corporation makes exploding parts for NASA, and that's a good thing. They make explosive bolts and cutting devices that are used in all kinds of spacecraft when things that are strong need to suddenly separate, like payload shrouds, spent booster engines, and parachutes. Working with California firefighters and with NASA support, they created Life Shears, which use the power of a pyrotechnic explosive cartridge to drive a cutting blade through steel rebar or a car roof like it was butter. The power cartridges are highly reliable and stable, and they make the Life Shears so small and lightweight, they can be carried along in medevac helicopters and in rescue workers' coats, able to go into small, tight places. They're also very affordable for smaller fire departments. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. We've been talking about finances today and if you're talking finances, you got to talk about retirement, right? So do you have enough money to retire? Have you been saving enough? Well, Bryce has some thoughts on retirement that he would just love to share with us. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce is Right. You could say that I come from a frugal family. And when I say frugal, I mean it's almost painful for any of us to spend money. And to find out that we spent money and missed out on a deal is like being notified of a death in the family. And our reaction doesn't scale with the amount of money we missed out on. $6 difference? We get punch a hole in the wall angry. $45 difference? Same wall-punching rage. As inconvenient as this lifestyle may be, ultimately I think it's a little bit better. We could all use a little less wasteful spending in our lives. While budgeting itself is certainly for everyone, the goals of budgeting are not all all the same for everyone. Now, I won't claim to know what your end game plan is, but whenever people talk about budgeting, they seem pretty sure of themselves that I will be saving for retirement. Whoa there, buddy. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. I don't really get the idea of retirement, but let's break it down for a moment. The basic premise seems to be that you get old and then you stop working and then you coast till you die. This presupposes many unpredictable factors, and I don't know about you, but I don't take any risks that I don't have to. And these unpredictable factors come at you like a flood once you start thinking about them. So my entire working life, you want me to limit my earnings in the hope that it might be enough to last me the rest of my life? Well, what if it isn't enough? What if I spent several decades living a limited life only to find out that it's not going to cut it? Better yet, how can I possibly know when to retire? I mean, I mean, we have arbitrarily set the date at 65, but people today are living into their 80s. And keep in mind, these are the people that were growing up in the 30s. You know, before antibiotics, seatbelts, and the knowledge that the lead we keep putting in stuff was super toxic. I'm sure they planned on retiring at 65, and I bet they feel really silly now that they've been retired for 15 plus years. How can I be expected to budget for an ending that keeps getting pushed back? And who knows if we'll even be using money at that point? Who knows, we might switch back to trading with cows, chickens, and frogs. I know it sounds a little unlikely, but you don't know if I'm wrong. 
Or what about keeping busy while retired? When the ideal retirement age of 65 was going around, people were expected to kick the bucket a little bit after the age of 65. So of course retirement made sense. Better to retire at that point because it's lights out pretty soon. But lots of retired people complain about boredom, and it's a real problem. Now, medically speaking, it's a good complaint to get. People are literally saying that they are living so long that they're running out of things to do. But retirement sounds kind of dull. And here's the thought process that's a little problematic for me. You see, I like a nice jet ski ride. Who doesn't? Am I right? But when I pass by a jet ski at the jet ski store, the budgeting ferry will land on my shoulder to remind me that if I buy that, I won't have enough money to retire. Possibly true, but I like jet skis, and when I'm 75, I'm not going to be reckless enough to get on one. My body already breaks enough as is. I'm not going to have the opportunity to jet ski like I can right now. But I think this idea encompasses probably the biggest assumption about retirement. You can't do everything that you do right now. So then what are you going to do? Retirement is not the 24-7 vacation we all wish it were. And let's not forget, I don't even know if I'm going to make it anywhere near retirement age. So yeah, I'm all for avoiding wasteful spending, but let's be realistic with our goals here. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Bryce Tobin takes us on a journey of depressing thoughts once again. <laughs> he, he doesn't even want to retire. Everyone else has got this hope to retire someday. He's like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die when I'm young. How do I know? We love Bryce, but he's not here, so we're going to talk about him. Um, now, before we wrap up, it would we we it was a weird thing, but we're sitting here, and Skyboy, the board operator, had left his term papers out, um, and so Rob just started sorting through his term papers, and found some really bad analogies that Skyboy had put together that we wanted to share with you, our listeners. And I appreciate the effort you know you're trying to make to to put an analogy in there, but some yeah. of these just don't work. Some of your analogies oh, aren't on. cutting. They it. all make sense. Her eyes were like two brown circles and big black dots in the center. Yeah. She, yeah. She had She's brown eyes. Brown eyes, eye dots. With he, the black dots in the middle, the yeah. pupils. Yeah. He was, perfect sense. <laughs> he was tall like a six foot three tree. <laughs> yeah. You, your <laughs> writing is incredible. <laughs> which makes, it surprises me you're getting a D. <laughs> From the attic came an unearthly howl. The whole scene had an eerie, surreal quality. Like when you're on vacation in another city and Jeopardy comes on at 7 instead of 7.30. See, that, that's just poetic. That's, that. that's good poetry. Yeah, right that's poetry. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, her face was a perfect oval, like a circle that had two sides gently compressed by a thigh master. <laughs> see, you're bringing in thigh master metaphors. You're not going to pass a test if you keep writing like this. I've passed plenty of tests. Barely. I'm still passing. <laughs> she she grew on him like she was a colony of E. coli, and he was room temperature beef. Oh wow! Well, you biology, know but that one hit. That your was from heart. my biology paper. So that one hit my heart. Yeah. Like I felt the love there. <laughs> the revelation came back that his marriage of thirty years had disintegrated because of his wife's infidelity. Came to him as a rude shock, like a surcharge at a formerly surcharge-free ATM. <laughs> Finances, yeah. <laughs> You're, you're profound, Skyboy. <laughs> he, he was as lame as a duck. Not the metaphorical lame duck either, but as a real duck that was actually lame, maybe from stepping <laughs> on a landmine or something. Yeah, that was because, yeah, you saw that one duck that got hit by the car. Yeah, I see you brought that into your metaphor. The lamp just sat there like an inanimate object. <laughs> I love lamp. Her vocabulary was as bad as, like, whatever. Sky, 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 sky. 
John and Mary uh, had never met. They were like two hummingbirds who had never met. I can't believe you. I still can't believe you guys aren't throwing my term papers. Well, that's, that's like just, a breach That of was all just from one paper. <laughs> that was one bad, bad paper. Pretty. I mean, it's like you write for, uh, it's like you're a high school student. Mm. Well, I am, what was it, 16? Is that what we decided that's the right. other day? You're yeah. a $16, 16-year-old sky boy. $16 Well, uh, so did you learn something about finances in the financial world? Um, yeah. You want to you want to give us a <laughs> metaphor? Finances are like a hummingbird without a feeder, who uses credit cards to buy hummingbird feeder juice and juices up in the and parking. Budget is like sugar. Your diet falls apart as a hummingbird if you don't have sugar in the feeder. I think all you're of just my drinking water. Were much better than both of those. <laughs> you think so? I think so. Hey, next time though, let us help. We can help you write a better paper. We want to help you get you out of here. You want to help me write a paper, Matt? We want to help you graduate. <laughs> we want to help I you get a job. I got to finish high school first. Get a true, true point. Okay, true so point. really, they weren't from his term paper. <laughs> we took it off of Facebook. It's called Really Bad Analogies uh, Written by High School Students. So as much as we wish they were written by Skylar, they weren't. I'm sure it's been passed around. I'm sure if you go to your Facebook news feed, well, you'll probably see it today. I still think pretty half funny. of them were his. <laughs> right, Skyboy? Yep. Okay, we're going to be back tomorrow with more fun metaphors from Skyboy and Sky, more. So that I knew. was in high school at one time. Yes, he still is, in a way. And uh, <laughs> keep listening. Take care of your kids. Hey, save some money for the next great holiday coming up. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow, 5 o'clock Eastern, right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.